We welcome into the program Mike Craven from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Mike, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? We are terrific. We appreciate your time today. Hey, you, you did an article uh, recently on 10 coaches who could follow the path of Jeff Trailer and Joy McGuire and, 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 you know, obviously become head coaches. When you, when you did this piece, what were some of the things that you looked at? What was the criteria you looked at w- when you put this together? Yeah, I tried to find some guys who had been head coaches at, at the high school level at some point, or at least close to it. I think there was only one guy on the list that hadn't been a head coach. That was Will Stein, who was an offensive coordinator at Lake Travis for a couple of years. So I tried to find guys who were a little bit younger, who I know who have expressed some interest of maybe moving up to that uh, college ranks before or make that jump or at least interested in it. And some guys who can recruit and who could be position coaches um, to make that jump. Because I think what Jeff and Joey did correctly that maybe like a Todd Dodge didn't do 20 years ago was be an assistant somewhere first. Go coach a position group. Go be a coordinator. Uh, do stuff like that before you just go straight to being a head coach. So I try to identify some guys. Um, that have the, those same type of profiles and success at the highest level who are still young enough to work their way up uh, the college ranks and eventually become a head coach. How difficult is that move for a coach to make? I, I think it's becoming easier. Uh, I think 20 years ago, you know, things used to trickle down. You know, the, the things at the pro level would then be at the college level and then would be at the high school level. I, I feel like now it's the reverse. Stuff trickles up. Like now, if you want to know what NFL offenses are going to run 10 years from now, watch high school football, right? So <laughs> I do think that jump has become easier and easier because college is stealing from high school and NFL is stealing from college. And so those guys are able to move up a level and not only be ahead of the game, they kind of instill some stuff of, that they're running at the high school level that maybe is just now getting to college. Mike, one of the coaches you have on the list from a Baylor perspective is Sean Bell. Uh, when you look at Bell and his path and you know what he's able to do at the high school ranks coming into college, what makes him the right fit uh, to do this? You know, one is his demeanor. You talk to Sean Bell for you know just a little bit, and you can tell he's a football guy. I mean, he grew up in a football family. His dad was a head coach. Clearly, offensive guys and especially quarterbacks have a little bit clearer path into to becoming head coaches because of how offense-minded uh, football is in, in the modern era. So just his demeanor, his background, the fact that he was a head coach so young in his career and he's already been you know, a multiple position college head coach or college position coach, it really just feels like a matter of time before Sean Bell becomes an offensive coordinator and then eventually a head coach. So it feels – for him, it, that felt like the, like the most no-brainer on the list. Like Riley Dodge, Sean Bell feel like pretty much a matter of when, not if, they'll be head coaches at the college level. Mike, recently, uh, just within the last few days, and, and it's been – obviously it's, it's happened over the last couple of weeks, but uh, Dave Aranda's deal was officially announced, and uh, it, it runs through 2029. What does that do uh, for Baylor University, for the coaching staff, or for the recruits that are, that are looking at this university? Yeah, I mean, I think it establishes a, a sense of stability that maybe there isn't at, at some other schools in, in the new look Big 12, right? Like TCU just got a new head coach. Texas Tech just got a new head coach. You never know what's going to go on at Texas. And so I think it puts Baylor in a position where Dave Aranda and his staff can go on the recruiting trail and look players and parents in the eyes and tell them truthfully, look, I'm going to be here through this whole deal, right? Like by the time you get here and by the time you graduate, I'm still under contract, and I think that's a big deal with with what we've seen in the transfer portal and how the coaches move around and how assistants move around. 
I think what Baylor is doing is putting a flag in the ground and saying, hey, look, we have our guy. We're really good with our guy, and he's going to be here for as long as he wants to be here. And so I, not only do I think that helps you know, recruiting, I also think it protects Baylor, right? It also probably added a buyout, you know, a little bit more of a buyout in there to where if Dave Aranda is poached by somewhere, you know, now they can use that money to go buy that next coaching staff. And, you know, I think that's all you want to do as a college is put yourself in a position where now it's up to the coach. If Dave Aranda wants to be there for the next 20 years, Dave Aranda can be there for the next 20 years. Of those 10 coaches that you followed and you looked at possibly making that transition from a head coach in high school to an assistant or, or taking over a program as a coordinator, is there also some of those that you look at and go, yeah, but this is really where he's thriving and they may not have that desire to go to the next level. They may be satisfied of where they're at in high school football because of that's the realm they want to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's what was so surprising about like a Jeff trailer, you know, he, he kind of felt like a lifer at Gilmer. And so, you know, I could have put like a Scott Surratt on the list from, from Carthage, you know, he could easily make that jump or a Hank Carter at, at Lake Travis, but it feels like those guys are pretty entrenched at the high school level and that's where they want to be. That's where they feel comfortable. And, you know, if they wanted to make the jump, they probably already would have. So for sure, I, I do think there's guys that are just, you know, high school football coaches and that's where they want to be. And they make plenty of money and they like being uh, kind of in charge of all that stuff. They don't want to recruit. They don't want the headache that comes along with, with college football. So I do think there are plenty of guys in Texas high school football that just want to want to remain there. I just do feel like, you know, the fact that two out of the 12 FBS coaches in the state are, are former high school coaches just is in, indicative of a trend that's only continuing and continuing with, with high school coaches kind of, becoming the power brokers and the, you know, kind of the main big players in football across the state, not only at the high school level, but nowadays at the college level too. I mean, when Matt Rule got hired at Baylor, you saw how quickly he put together a staff uh, that had ties to the high school community, including Joey McGuire, Sean Bell, and, and some of those guys we've already mentioned. So it, it's clearly really important, and it's clearly a, an avenue that is easier and easier for these guys to to take than maybe it was 20 years ago when it was a little bit of hurt. I remember when Todd Dodge made that jump from South Lake Carroll, North Texas, it, it put everybody on their heels. It was like, Hey, how is this going to work? Or even Chad Morris when he did it. And so nowadays it feels like every single off season, there's five or six high school coaches making that move. Along those same lines, uh, we see it all the time is there's quality college coordinators that are just not meant to be head coaches. So when these ADs are looking at these guys to potentially go grab a coordinator from someplace else, what are some of the things they're looking for that that can maybe, you know, send up that red flag to say, hey, you know what, he he's, he's probably better off being that coordinator because that's what he's good at. It's probably personality, you know, just like the the ability to be uh, be a CEO. I mean, because you're absolutely right. I mean, there are some guys who are, who are better at, at being coordinators or even position coaches than they are being head coaches. We see it all the time where guys kind of get tried out for a year or two, and then they just kind of become lifelong coordinators after that because it doesn't work out. So I think a lot of that just becomes demeanor. It becomes a lot more about other stuff than just football when you're not a coordinator. I think Dave Aranda spoken to that before, how when he was a coordinator, it was just football, 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 football. When you become a head coach, you kind of become a father, you become a figurehead. You become a fundraiser. Uh, you you have to do all of these extra things other than football 
And not everybody has the personality to do that. I know I wouldn't have the personality to do that. You know, I'm a better writer than I would be an editor. And so we all have our lane. And so I, I do think that a lot of it just simply comes down to your personality and your ability to, to manage other grown people. Mike, looking at this list, one of the, the other names that really stuck out to me was DJ Mann. And when you look at him, uh, his relationship up there with Joey McGuire when they were at Cedar Hill, now he's what he's done out at Lubbock Coronado, could you see him making that transition like uh, like Chris Gilbert did at Texas where he could go into that Lubbock staff already having that relationship and hit the road on a recruiting aspect? Yeah, I mean, I, I would put my yearly salary on DJ Mann being a part of a college staff within five years. I mean, I, I think he is absolutely on that track to be somebody who goes from high school coach to you know coaching wide receivers and doing recruiting and then working his way up from there. He, he, he's excelled everywhere that he's been. Everybody likes him, including players, including coaches, including media. He just kind of fits all of those you know molds that you need uh, to make that transition. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's another one of those guys who's clearly going to make that jump eventually. He wants to be a head coach for a little bit. You know, he's at his alma mater, so he's enjoying that. He's having success there. But yeah, I mean, between us, I, I don't think I, I don't think it would be shocking at all if next off season or the off season after that he was on Texas Tech staff or some other staff around the state helping you know with wide receivers and, and especially with recruiting. How do you think these coaches go about digging these diamonds in the rough and finding these guys? that are kind of on your list and, and and be able to know that, hey, this is a guy that I have to have on my staff because you mentioned Matt Rule and Joey McGuire. That was, you know, really the first name that he looked at and said, this is a guy that is entrenched in Texas high school football. I have to have this guy. How do they go about finding those guys? I think a lot of it is the Texas High School Coaches Association. When you get a job here in the state, especially if you're from outside of it, the first you know ring you need to go kiss is, is up there at those offices. And so, you know, I think you start asking those guys, "Hey, if you were me and, and you're trying to get you know some Texas high school guys on the staff and really build relationship with the THSDA, who are some names that I should go vet?" And you know, back then when when Matt Rule got on campus, you know, Joey McGuire was probably one of the first or second names that were mentioned. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, mafioso, right? I mean, they really do run this state in a way that, that coaches don't in other states, to their credit. They're, they're, they're the power brokers of the state. A lot of stuff goes through them. You cannot have success as a, as a football coach in the state of Texas without their blessing, without their approval. And so I, I think a lot of it just goes through those offices of, and what the old-timers in there kind of tell some of those new coaches on, hey, you should go look at this guy. Hey, you should go look at that guy. I really do think sometimes it's as simple as that. Talk with Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Mike, from coaches who are possibly on the rise to getting hired to one who has been hired, when you look at uh, Jamarcus McFarland, what does he bring to TCU and that staff? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be an excellent recruiter because when you can go on the road and you can not only point to your success as a coach, but you can point to your success as a player, I mean, I, I think that really helps, right? That's a feather in the cap to go like, I've done this at a major, major level. I know what it takes, not because I've just coached it. I know what it takes because I've been through it. And he knows what the lows look like. He can relate to the players. He knows some of the troubles that go into it and the ups and downs that inevitably happen with 18 to 22-year-olds. So I think he was a huge hire for TCU. They also had kind of you know vetted you know Rod, Rod Wright, who is at UTSA, who's also a former Big 12 defensive tackle. So – I really like what Sonny Dykes and TCU have, have done with their staff, and I think McFarland's going to be a guy who really helps that defensive line. And 
you know, we all watch Big 12 football, and we know TCU needs as much help in the front seven as they can get because that rushing defense last year was atrocious. Is that one of the biggest things, Mike, that they're looking at, too, also is their ability to have not only the relationships they have on their campuses right now in high school, but the ability for them to have that relationship going into somebody's living room and being a good recruiter? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I if we have to split it up, I think it's 60% recruiting, 40% coaching. I, I really do. I, I think James and Joes mattered a lot more than the X's and O's, and, and these coaches know that with the transfer portal, uh, going on the way that it is now, you really need guys who can connect with players and keep them on campus. Not only recruit them to campus, but keep them on campus. And so I think we're starting to see staff get younger. I think that's the reason we're starting to see more high school coaches you know, get hired. They're used to being with younger guys who have a little bit different mentality than maybe college kids did 20 years ago. And I do think recruiting not only just on the road, but recruiting within your locker room is a huge, huge deal that, that staff have to pay attention to now that maybe they didn't, you know, back when I was a kid where it was just kind of like my way or the highway. You know, there's the door. You can go find it if you want to. It's not that way anymore. And so uh, these coaching staffs have had to adjust, and I think because of that you're starting to see a lot more former players, a lot more younger coaches, and a lot more former high school coaches be in these college staffs in places of importance because of how important it is to keep players on the staff or keep players in the locker room and kind of appease them in a way, you know, keep them happy because that, that's the name of the game right now. Mike, when you look uh, uh, ahead at the guys headed out to the combine, uh, Baylor sending seven guys. I know me and you have talked before about Bernard and Petrie and how good they are. When you look at the seven players that Baylor is sending, who do you think has the best opportunity to get picked up high or, or has the best opportunity to go into the draft? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Jalen Petrie's like a, a man crush I have, right? I mean, I think I, I'm pretty similar to that with everybody in Waco. I mean, I, I love the kid. I mean, not only for what he's stuck around and stuck through, but I think he's the perfect illustration of what modern football is going to look like. He's positionless. He can play safety. He can play outside linebacker. Heck, he can play defensive end and just rush guys. You know, like he can do everything on the football field. He's just a football player. So I think he's going to go really high. Uh, I do think some guys that have a chance to up their stock at the combine are guys like JT Woods and Kalen Barnes. Like Barnes is going to run a time that just shocks people, right? I mean, because he's, he's just super fast. So he has a skill set that maybe sneaks him into the draft. But if we're talking like just high-end guys that are going to get picked early, I think the the candidates are, are Jalen Peachy, Terrell Bernard. You know, those two guys are, are obvious NFL starters eventually and guys who are going to be – I would think Petrie's a first-round, second-round pick, Bernard at least by the third round. Hey, Mike, we appreciate your time today. Uh, what else are you working on uh, in, in the offseason for us? Uh, speaking of mock drafts, I actually did a, a thing that's coming out today where I just do a first-round mock draft, but the only people eligible are t- Texas high school football <laughs> prospects, right? Lo- so, love you know, it. So there'll be, that'll be coming out today. Uh, you know, We'll be looking at like the top 10 returners at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver and stuff, kind of leading into spring. And then we had our first magazine meeting yesterday, so it, it's getting in, it's getting into magazine season already. Where we got to start uh, getting that out. This will be my first year fully doing that. So I got twenty three assignments by the, you know that are due by May first. So I got to start traveling around the state and getting with the coaches and getting interviews and start putting together uh, the Bible for the summer. Well, I was going to say football cannot start in this state until the magazine is available on the shelf. So I mean that's just rules. 
I've always I've always helped out part time. You know, I was at the Statesman before this job, so I've always kind of helped out. You know, done some capsules and, and done the UTSA section, done some recruiting section. This is the first time I'm going to be kind of fully in charge of, of the college section. So it's a little overwhelming, but it's also a, a really big point of pride. I mean, Dave Campbell was was one of my mentors and a guy who was super nice to me early in my career when he had no reason to. He gave me a lot of opportunities and helped me a lot. So. It's just kind of cool to to be in this position and to continue on the tradition that he started because he really did create something that, you know, is so unique to Texas high school football and Texas college football and uh, is just really important to the fabric of the sport in our area. And it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of it. Well said. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Anytime. See, see you later. Uh, Mike Raven from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football.